oftentimes, um, uh, if you want to look um, and ask yourself, uh, what is the, the prime teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ in Scripture, you'll find that probably the best place to turn to is the Sermon on the Mount, which is um, found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and is also found in the Gospel of Luke. Um, and the Sermon on the Mount begins with the very um, uh, often quoted Beatitudes, where the Lord Jesus Christ says, Blessed, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, Blessed are this, blessed are that. And the Lord Jesus Christ is telling us happy. The word blessed um, uh, uh, in Coptic is Makarios. Makarios is, is the, the name of a saint, uh, Saint Makarios. Uh, three, three great saints all named Makarios. Um, and it, it can be equally translated as, as blessed or happy. You know, the word blessing or bless is probably one of the most used words in um, religion and spirituality and Christianity and so on. And it's probably one of the most misunderstood words or words that we say and we have no idea what we're saying. We probably do that oftentimes. Um, and the Lord is telling us happy. Let, happy are you. Happy are you if you are poor in spirit. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. And happy are you if you mourn. And happy are you and so on. Um, and the Lord Jesus Christ is wishing you happiness. He's wishing happiness for you. This coming year. This 2018. The Lord Jesus Christ is looking to you. And he's saying I'm wishing you a happy, happy new year. Right? And that's the common greeting that, that we say. You know. Uh, Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. And when it comes to the New Year, we often tell people, have a happy New Year, right? Um, and so saying to, saying to people, uh, have a blessed New Year or a happy New Year, in the eyes of Scripture anyways, is very much the same thing, you know? Um, you know, blessed sounds like, oh, holy and spiritual, but really, like, God doesn't, God, Jesus was not, wasn't like that. Jesus wasn't into using big fancy words. Jesus spoke the, 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 spoke in the way that people could understand him, right? And he's saying to you, he's saying to you at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and he's saying to you as you are prepared to begin this new year, he's saying, have a happy, happy new year. The trouble with, the trouble with happiness or joy and I'm not going to distinguish between the two for the moment anyways, is that oftentimes there's a, there, there's a, f a phrase which I read and I realize is so true is that joy leaks. Joy is leaky. Like if you have, um, if you fill a basket with water, you're not going to get very far because it's going to leak, right? And oftentimes when I'm very happy and when I'm very joyful, I am genuinely very happy and very joyful for some time, and then something happens and it robs me of my joy. And the Lord Jesus Christ is wishing for you today a happy new year, but not just for the first couple of hours of the year and not just for the first day of the year, but he's wishing you a happy new year for the entirety of 2018. And he wants for you to, to, to have a, truly have a happy new year and enjoy that happiness throughout the whole year. And so he's giving us some advice. 
He's giving us some advice as we go through the chapter. And there's something very, very specific that I want, uh, I want to highlight. About halfway through the chapter, he starts talking about anger. And he says that, You have heard that it was said of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, You fool, shall be danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled with your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there until you have paid the last penny." Jesus is telling us a very simple, a very simple concept that all of our sins, all the vices in this world are on a spectrum, right? And various different sins find themselves on the same spectrum. For example, anger and adultery are not on the same spectrum, right? But an innocent double take to see what somebody is wearing and adultery are on the same spectrum. Anger and murder, Jesus is, t- is telling us, are on the same spectrum. They're on the same spectrum. What happens when I get angry with somebody, right? Even if I don't say anything. Immediately I want to distance myself from that person. I want that person, large, usually I don't want to go anywhere. I want the other person to go somewhere. Disappearing would be the ideal thing, right? If this person could just disappear right now, that would be ideal, you know? If the world was Facebook, I want to block this person, you know? Maybe not forever, maybe, maybe not, right? And I want to cancel this person. I want this person out. I want this person gone, right? I want this person to cease to exist in my existence. I don't want anything bad for them. I just want them to be away, to go away, right? Jesus is telling us that that is murder. That's what murder is. That's what murder is, is for someone to go away. Although murder is somewhat more permanent, right? But I'm, I, I want to murder this person from my existence. I want to remove to this person from my existence, from my story, from my life. I want them gone. That's murder. I share with you a very brief confession. It was a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, we have a, a, a two-year-old and they don't call it the terrible twos for nothing, right? And, uh, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, children are learning how to, how to live in an adult world. And so we, we, create, we create structure for our children to live in. And then we try to help them live in it. And they struggle. And it drives us crazy when they struggle, right? Of course, it doesn't always feel that way. Most of the time, it feels like they're just breaking the rules, right? So one time, 
our daughter breaks the rules. And I, I, I pointed it out to Mary, and I said to Mary, want, you know, say something, right? And uh, Mary says, why do I have to, like, why don't, why don't you deal with it, right? Like, why do I always have to deal with it? I said, because you don't want me to deal with it, so I'm going to deal with it, right? And, <laughs> and she says, no, go ahead, right? So I, you know, like, told Anna off, and then I, you know, went from one reprimand to the next to the next, and it just kept escalating, right? Um, and at first, I was really, as a parent, lovingly trying to, to, to guide her. But by the end of the process, I was so frustrated. I was angry. I was really angry. And I went to another room to go gather myself and gather my thoughts. And I realized I was so angry. I was fuming. I was really, really angry. And I, so I decided to pray. So I started praying and I told God, God, I'm really angry. If you're angry, what I suggest you do is to pray. And I suggest you be honest. You know, there's no point in being fuming with rage and tell God, oh God, thank you for creating the butterflies and the flowers. No, just be honest and say what's on your heart. I was angry. I was really, really angry. And I started to tell God, I'm really angry. You know, I, I really like, this is ridiculous, you know. Like, it's been like 45 minutes of going from one, one no to the next no to the next no. Like, you know, this is, this is not okay. And I just was, I was just having it with God. And it dawned upon me in that moment, it dawned upon me in that moment that I just wanted my daughter to disappear. I just wanted her gone. And as the thought slipped into my mind... I almost felt, I didn't hear a voice from heaven or anything, but I almost felt like God was looking and asking me, really? Like, are you sure? And in, in, the, in that second, I retracted the thought, of course not. Of course, absolutely not. I love, I love both my daughters, love my wife, and under no circumstances in the universe would I ever, would I ever want them gone. But that was my wake-up call. That was my wake-up call, that getting frustrated with somebody, getting angry with somebody, is on the same spectrum. It's on the same spectrum as murder. It's just not okay. Jesus is telling us it's just not okay. Okay, very well, Father John, right? You share this you know, deep personal story, quite humbling for me to share that with you but just to make it very real for you. Well, what are we going to do, though? Like, there are people out there that are really frustrating, and they're very annoying, and they push my buttons, and they disrespect me, and they, right? I agree. I agree. Jesus, Jesus knew that, 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 you're, that was going to be your and my next question. So a little further on, he tells us what to do. He tells us what to do with those people. He says a few things that most of us find completely impractical and quite frankly, if we're going to be honest, impossible. But I want to give you hope that these words are not only impossible, but actually that it is in, the word, in these words that I can find peace with the people who drive me bananas, right? 
You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, who makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. A lot of us hear Jesus saying these things, and we say, quite frankly, Lord, I don't know about this whole loving my enemies business. It seems, it seems absolutely out of reach, you know? Uh, or, or, or getting slapped on one cheek and giving the other also. I mean, I don't know, Jesus. That sounds really, that just sounds way out there. It just sounds, it, it's not even something I want to do. And if I wanted to do it, I don't know that I would be able to. If you feel that way, I've been there. I've been there. It was only until recently that I think I really understood what Jesus is saying. But before we get to that, I just want to go back to something that I skipped over. Forgive me. When Jesus talks about anger, the next thing he says is, if you bring your gift to the altar, remember, and you remember that you have something against your brother, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled with your brother and then come and offer your gift. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that God is not as interested in your worship if you have something going on with your brother or with your sister or with your friend or with your colleague, your boss, your neighbor, and so on. God is delighted that you and I are here, but he'll be far more delighted in the peace that you make with the people whom you are at odds with. Why are you here? Because you love your family, because you love your friends, because you love your neighbors, and ultimately, I'm sure, because you love God. There's a multitude of other things you could have been doing, but you chose to be here. God honors that. God sees that, and he loves that, and he loves you for it. He loves you anyways, but he loves you for it as well. It really honors God that you're here. That's great. So God is saying, if you really want to honor me, if you really, really want to honor me, find that person that you're at odds with and make peace with them. If you really want to honor me, find that person that you hurt and go apologize to them. Find that person who hurt you and go offer them forgiveness. Offering people forgiveness, just a sidebar here, 90% of the times we're offended by somebody, the other person doesn't know they've offended us. So if you don't, you know, don't try this, right? Walking up to somebody and telling them, you know what, I forgive you for what you did to me. Because nine out of 10 times they're going to look back at you and say, 
for what, right? And you're, that's going to make you feel so much better, right? That's going to make you feel even more, even more hurt and even more angry. So forgive them in your heart. And then, you know, a glance, a pat on the shoulder, a hi, how are you doing, a let me buy you a coffee is enough to say, is enough to, to tell the other person not so much that you've forgiven them, but that you have the intent of restoring the relationship. But don't walk up to somebody and tell them, hey, I forgive you, because if they tell you for what, you'll, you may be very, very upset. End of the sidebar, end of the note, right? But Jesus is saying, what, what he, he's saying to me, if I'm still at odds with my daughter, or I'm still at odds with my neighbor, or I'm still at odds with my friend, or I'm still at odds with my brother or my sister, whoever. He's almost telling me, what, what business do you have coming and offering these prayers and coming and standing here and coming in this? When, when you want to murder someone whom I love, like how can I, how can I, how can I say to you, I love you, and in the same breath say, but I want to kill your brother, sister, wife, son, daughter. How, how does that make sense? It doesn't. How can you, wh- how will you accept me? I love you, but I want to kill your brother. You know, your biological brother. I, I love you, but I want to kill your, 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 this person. But that's what anger is. That's what anger is. It's to, it's, to, it's to remove somebody. It's for them to cease to exist, for them to cease to be. You, I just can't say the two words in the same sentence... I can't say the two statements that I love you and that I am angry with this person. It doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't it doesn't compute. I love you but I want to kill your mom. What do you do with that? Like what does God do with that? What does he do with Lord, I love you but I want to kill your son or your daughter? How does he what is, what is he supposed to do with that? So God is saying, Jesus is telling us, it, it can't work like that. Worship is the expression of love towards God. You can't, it doesn't make sense to come and to worship God, but then to want, to, to want harm towards someone whom he loves. It can never work. It can never work. So for Jesus' sake, for Jesus' sake, he's saying, Leave your gift at the altar. Go and make peace with that person. I want to share with you, I want to share, share with you the secret to understanding this love your enemy stuff. The secret for me in these last several months has been to read that whole passage in context. When Jesus says, turn the other cheek, somebody wants to take something of yours, give it to them and give them more. Right in, in the Gospel of Luke, I'm reading from the Gospel of Matthew, but in the Gospel of Luke, he says, if someone borrows from you, give it to them. Don't just lend them, give it to them. Right? And then he says, to love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. How? 
How? How can normal human beings do this? Jesus tells us that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. That's the key phrase. The key phrase is this. What does God do with people who are evil? He does the same thing with them that he does with people who are good. Why? Because God's behavior is not modulated by your and my behavior. You know those people, there's, there's, there's people like this all over the world, I'm one of them sometimes, maybe we all are, right, who have buttons, you know, and you know if you press that button, you get this reaction, and if you press that button, you get this reaction, right? And quite frankly, you know, when I'm like that, you know, I make myself vulnerable. I make myself vulnerable that you can push my buttons and you can get whatever reaction out of me you want to get. Isn't it, isn't it uh, belittling of us to think that God has buttons? If I'm good, he will do good things to me. If I'm bad, he will, you know, throw lightning bolts at me. Of course not. Of course not. God doesn't treat us based on our behavior, on our merits. God treats us based on his character. God doesn't treat us based on who we are. He treats us on based on who he is. And that is the essence of grace. God is gracious. And that's what he's calling you and me to do with the people who drive us crazy, right? Because until as long as I'm in the flesh, I'll have buttons. And people will push some of my buttons and it'll want to make me go nuts, right? And it'll make me want to get angry and to get frustrated. But God is calling you and me to treat people based on our character. Or quite frankly, to, to treat people based on his character, on who he is. I've told this story uh, uh, before, uh, so I'll, you know, uh, just uh, be, you know, say it in a very abridged form. Um, when I was in grade eight math class, I got into really some really big trouble, and I found myself in the principal's office, you know. And uh, my dad had to come and fish me out of there. It was a very embarrassing. Uh, it was a very very em embarrassing um, thing uh, for everyone involved myself, but really whom I felt the most bad for was for my dad. Because my dad stood up for me. My dad went to bat for me. My dad went in there both guns blazing to rescue me from the trouble that I had gotten myself into. And everything that he went in there with was based on the fact that I would never do what I had been accused of which was exactly what I had done. <laughs> and from that moment forward, I realized how much my dad believes in me. And I realized that it's a really big deal that my last name is Boutros. Not that if my last name were something different, it would be any different, but no, that that name that I'm carrying is the name of someone else who really believes in me, 
So I need to live up. I need to live up to what he believes of me. And then from then onwards, from then onwards, I've had a different level of respect for myself and naturally a different level of respect for others. Knowing that when I, when I put my hand out there and I say, hi, my name is John Boutros, I'm saying something. That means that I'm, I am the son of Meher Boutros. And you may not have met him, but when you meet him, you know what I'm talking about, right? He's, a, he's, he's something else. He's something else. I didn't realize that until, and I didn't realize that until grade eight, but I've carried that with me my whole life. God believes in you. God is willing to go to bat for you. Don't believe me? Look to the cross. Devil looks at Jesus on the cross and says to him, Saul for nothing. You think, you think you're going to be crucified. And then people are going to, they're going to believe in you now. They're all going to be all good now. And they're all going to be nice. And everybody's going to be good. And everybody's going to worship. No. They're going to forget that you exist. Give them 20 minutes. Jesus says, I'd die for them anyways. They're worth it. They're worth it. In his calculation, you're worth it. In your calculation, he believes in you. He believes in you. No matter whether you're good or whether you're bad. Because he makes the sunrise on the good as well as the evil. He looks at you and he sees that you are inherently, inherently, you are worth it. God is gracious. If I look to my own life, I see his grace very clearly, very evidently, that he believes in me, that he goes to bat for me. I do really foolish things. He follows that with a lot of kindness and generosity towards me. If God treats me that way, doesn't it make sense that I would treat others that way? It's foolish, it's foolish to treat people the way they treat you. I'll finish with another story that involves my dad. I remember this, this dates much, much earlier. Must have been three or four years old because of remembering where we lived at the time and so on. It's playing in the sandbox with a bunch of other kids, right? And of course, this is from my recollection, so may, it may or may not have happened exactly like this, but this is how I remember it. Right? And some kid hit me or something, so I hit him back. Right? So my dad grabbed me by the arm and yanked me out of the sandbox and says to me, Do you like playing with other children? And I said, Yes. He said, Now, what do you think? If other parents see you hitting other kids, are they going to let you play with their children? And I said, No. He goes, Good. So if you want to play with other children, maybe you shouldn't hit them. And I said, I suppose. But, but he hit me first. Course, right? That's what all of us are saying, right? He hit me first. My dad looked at me and said, it doesn't matter because no one's paying attention to who hit who first. All another dad or another mom is seeing is that you hit their child. They're going to tell their child not to play with you, right? And I nodded my head. He said, so if you want to play with other children, don't hit them. 
When I was four years old, I could understand that. And when I was older, my dad would always say to me that the words you say and the actions you do speak to who you are. He was colloquializing for me other words of Jesus. When Jesus says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. God is good, so he's not going to let us pull his strings and pull his buttons. If I'm bad, God is still going to be good to me because his character is to be good. And so God is, Jesus is looking to you and to me and he's telling us, be like me, imitate me, not John. God is telling us, imitate me, be gracious. Let this be the year of grace for you and for me. So you're having a good day and someone comes along in your good day, in your happy day, in your happy new year that God is wishing you today. And somebody comes along the way and frustrates you and gets you angry. Retract that anger. Retract that frustration and say, Lord, as you have been gracious to me, I want to be gracious to others. Take a moment to thank him for three to five things. Honestly, that's a practice my spiritual father gave me a long, long time ago, and I carry it with me all day. When someone gets on my nerves, what do I do? I stop and I find three to five things that are usually completely unrelated to thank God for. And I pause. Oftentimes I need to write them down because I don't have the wherewithal to just come up with them. You know, so I, I, get a, get a, I usually have a pen with me and I'll scribble them down or on your phone or whatever, right? Three to five things and stop and thank God for those things. And take a moment to reflect on how good and how gracious God has been to me. How much he has treated me based on his character and not based on my deeds. And then I look to the person in front of me and I say, well, if, God, if I didn't deserve God's goodness and he was good to me anyways, maybe this person doesn't deserve for me to be good to them. Maybe they don't deserve for me to love them. Maybe they don't deserve for me to bless them. Maybe they don't deserve for me to pray for them. But I'll do it anyways because Jesus says so and because I want to treat them based on how I was treated. And in so doing, I'm able to keep my joy. I'm able to keep my happiness and not let others steal it from me. Steal it from me. May you have a very, very happy new year, this 2018 year. May you search your heart and may I search my heart for who I need to reconcile with, who I need to make peace with. And I can leave, I can leave my gift at the altar here can pause your worship and we can we can pause our prayer for a moment and we can turn to God and tell him Lord I forgive this person I want to let this person go I want to release this person I, want, I just want to let them I just want to let them go they're off the hook they don't owe me nothing you know I'm just going to let them I'm going to let them I'm going to let them go and continue our prayer making peace with them and making peace with God have a very blessed and happy new year as you find peace and you find joy that you can hang on to the whole year round God bless you glory be to God forever and ever Amen.